This is Channel Attitude. Your voice, your right, your freedom. Oh shit! It's Vince Russo! Vince McMahon's best kept secret. I am the anti-Christ of professional wrestling. David Arquette won the world title. I've got a wife, three kids at home, and I really don't need this shit. How can this show be so awful, Mr. McMahon? I didn't think it was. My anger on a pole match. And Hogan, you big bald son of a bitch, kiss my ass. Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. Now you're the editor, right? Yes, I am. Mankind did it! Chappy Chappy! Beep beep! Goldberg steered Russo out of the cage! I'm from New York. I'll get down right nasty. This is Vince Russo's The Brand. Welcome, 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 everybody. Al's making me laugh before the show even starts. Welcome, bro, to Lions, Tigers, Bears, and Head. I am Vince Russo. This is Jerry Lane. And the great, the legendary Al Snow. Yeah, Al, my my 92-year-old dad, every time he calls me, he asks me how Jerry Lane is. And I've, I've, I've never corrected him. Never corrected him, Al. There's no need to. <laughs> What's going on, Al? How you doing, man? I'm doing great after just watching that clip. I, <laughs> the amount you, look- of, you don't even have to dig for gold. You know what I mean? It's just laying there. It's unbelievable. It's so good, bro. Every every time, bro, I I see Tony Khan trending. Yeah. I can't click on his name fast enough. Well, that that means something's wrong with me, though, Al. Does it? Come on, let's be serious. Uh, not when you, you know when you find something of that good quality that, of entertainment. It's completely understandable why you want to continue to click on. Well, it. I'm sure, uh, Jerry. Uh, do you have something better for Al to start the show? Yeah, and if anybody's wondering, before we started recording, we watched a video of Tony Khan from like two years ago, the one where he cut the promo on Nick Khan. We can't show it because we'll get a copyright because it was from TNT and AEW television. But it's it's you guys can find it on Twitter. Al, how how phenomenal would it have been? I, I bro, I swear, I I would have paid anything to see this to have Nick Khan fire back and and yeah. say i will kick your ass in the ring in your jacksonville building in front of your on people your, on your show on your show you just tell me free of charge you just tell me when can you imagine if tell nick would have done that time, i'll show up and whip your ass yeah what would he have it done if, if the only con in wrestling business is Tony Khan. <laughs> yeah, but Tony Khan. And, bro, last man standing. The last man standing is the only Khan in the wrestling business. The last Khan standing. Oh, that would that would have been true. I would have done that. You could call the pay-per-view the wrath of Khan. Yes. Hey, Al, you, you must know this as a shoot. I'm sure you heard this, but I was actually sitting there. Bro, do you remember when Eric Bischoff called out Vince? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, bro, he was bro. The, he was ready to go. I swear, bro. The only reason he didn't go was because that was Stephanie's graduation at uh, Boston University. Oh, really? That, that was it, bro. He was going. He was yeah. going. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Very. People can think what they want. Eric's Eric's a tough guy. He's I a mean, tough guy. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 trained in cry. I remember uh, Ernest the Cap Miller. Yeah. Telling me how he met Eric was Eric brought his son to Ernest 
to get karate lessons. And Eric said to Ernest, hey, bro, do you mind if I just, you know, join a class and jump in there? And Ernest said, holy shit, like Bischoff was the real freaking thing when it came to that. Yeah, but, you know, Vince is also, you know, I've never seen Vince go, but I believe he can. I think yeah, he- I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I think Bubba, I think Bubba said this once. I'm going to spell it, Jeff, so we, we don't get thrown off the air. But Bubba said if, it, if, if that would have happened, bro, it would have come down to Vince having, and remember, he said this years ago, so it was allowed. R E T A R D strength. <laughs> you know, he would have just lost his mind. And you know what I mean, bro? Yeah. Yeah. If he would get been made to look bad even a little bit by a Bischoff. Yes. Because yeah. he doesn't like to sell. Yeah. Anything. That he just, he just snapped and went into a completely different gear. Yes. Yes. Shit's on, you know? Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Jeff, what do you got? Was this from Al? No, this was from Scott Smith. Okay. Now, it looks like a backyard wrestling event, but it's actually GCW. They, I guess they run a show back and call it backyard wrestling, but it's one of their events, so people paid for it. It's a real wrestling event. It's not a stupid backyard clip, but uh, I guess even we have it, a... Even though it's in a stupid backyard. Right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess, I, I've never seen this before, but we have a firecracker chair. Oh, all right. Let's firecracker chair. Oh. Oh my God! A firecracker chair, bro. He's still going. Oh, Al, that's a new class. That's a new class at the only accredited school. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta draw up a syllabus on that. <laughs> Look, he hits him in the head. Uh, wait, can you run that back? <laughs> oh my God. He hits him with the hard side. Oh, yeah. Where the edges, it looks like he hit him and then proceeds to hit him again and again. Man. And there's already a dead body next to him. I wonder what they did to that guy before the clip. What put that victim down? Oh, my God. There's, There's another one laying down in the bottom corner there. There's three of them down. Yeah, well, you, is, you, 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 bro, you got to think about it, Al. If it's a, uh, if it's an outdoor show, that yeah. opens it up to a, a whole new fantasy land, bro. Yeah, there, there are all kinds of things that we can pull off. Again, though, tell me this does not prove my point. You know, it, again, it's it's literally a snake eating its own tail. Now we've we've had we've had people blow fire. We've had, we've seen videos of people using cinder blocks. We've seen people using weed whackers. Now we've tied firecrackers to a chair, lit them and let them go off as we're beating the shit out of somebody with the chair that's exploding. What's next? And you're exactly right, Al, because here's what's next. Okay, bro, you're going to be down. I'm going to throw an M80 at you. (laughs) Literally, that is what's next, bro. Up a cherry bomb up your tailpipe, you know. Bro, we're going right back out. We've talked about this. We're going right back to Monty Python and the Holy Grail with the flesh wound, bro. Yeah. It gets the arm cut up, add a little flesh wound cuts off the other. Tremendous. Yeah. Is, is there more, right. Jeff? Well, you want me to play Al that Meltzer and Alvarez clip? Okay, now Al, this is what I teased you with last week. Yeah. Please listen closely. Okay. But 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 first, Al, did you see the Ricochet and Logan Paul scary spot from Money in the Bank? 
I did not. All right, so I'm going to show you that so okay. you get the reference. So pop that up, Vince. So yeah, it's, it's hard to see from that. the camera angle, but apparently, apparently one, if not both, ended up landing on their head. Maybe oh, you can tell, but I, I couldn't tell from the angle. Look how dangerous this is, bro. Look, they, 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 they're, they're off balance. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Oops, went back. Went and they, had to, they, had to, they couldn't get set to watch. They, yeah, they're, they're off balance, both of them. Yeah, they just have to go. They have to right here. And you can see, like, he's, he's trying to uh, do that Spanish fly where they'll both break through the table, but their hips can't rotate because they don't have enough spring off the rope. And so they end up going backwards at an angle and both of their heads crashing through the table. Al, when, when you said there that they, they just, that they have to go, what did you mean by that? Because it's, it's, they're at a point where they tipped off the rope. And, and once they get to that point where they, they're committed, so now they have to go to even have a hope of being able to rotate their hips over. And if they don't, you know, which they didn't, they went straight back like this at first because they, you know, they didn't take into account that both of their weight on that middle rope, when they, when they get on it, it pushes this way. It, it, it had to go down this way so that they could get enough lift so they could turn their hips. And, um, as a result, once once they once Logan Paul stepped on that and turned backwards, he was already starting to lean, and then he had he had to go. He didn't have a choice. Al, let me ask you a question seriously. As I mean, you laid that out freaking beautifully, and this is what you do, and you're a master at with, with two guys. With I'm sure their their weight is a little bit different. I don't know what their weights are. I, I would think Logan Paul might weigh a little bit more. I don't know, but what are the odds? of them hitting that rope exactly the way they're supposed to hit it. Slim and none. The, the, what the, the issue is, 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 is that the rope is not going to have enough tensile strength to lift the, you know, it's one thing if it's just Logan Paul, you know, you've seen lots of guys do what they, you know, they call the acai moonsault. I did it where you jump up, you spring off the back, the second rope and you moonsault. You know, because it's just you and your hips, because that's what you're trying to rotate. You're trying to, you know, uh, throw. Um, but when they're doing that, what they call the Spanish fly, which is where he's hooking him around the neck. Logan's attempting to do a moonsault, and Ricky Shea is attempting to allow him to guide him and take a forward bump. So both entail, see how he had to go? Both entail that... Ricochet has to rotate his hips forward and Logan has to do his backwards, but you've got to, the timing has to be, and there wasn't enough time to do it. And and I don't know if you guys saw Ricochet's right foot slip. So Al, what, like, I'm pretty sure it slips. What does this do? There's no, no, again, there's no, there's no propulsion. There's no lift to be able to rotate your hips. Now, Al, it, it also, from me looking at this as a novice, it looks to me like Logan Paul is wrapping his leg around the rope here so he doesn't fall. Is that the right position he's supposed to be? One leg in, one leg out? But as soon as he, he commits, watch, he gets his foot out and he has to go. And his foot, his right foot, doesn't maintain contact on the rope. Watch. As soon as he gets over, watch, he goes and it slips. 
So he only is pushing off his left leg. God, that's so dangerous. Pushing off his. Now you're trying to turn the weight of both guys' hips into position, and they just couldn't make it. I mean, it's a, it's a poorly conceived. It's a, you know, it would have been a spectacular bump if it had been, but if it had been done, but it, it was a poorly conceived one because there was just no way that it could have done. The only way they could have had the best chance of that succeeding is if they'd have done it near the turnbuckles to where the ropes are a little tighter. Al, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, the, um, the, the, just the, uh, the, 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 the calculation of that move alone, bro, would you think that's something they rehearsed? No. Okay. So this, uh, no way. And they, and they, and those are moves that you really, you got to just do in the moment. You got to just, yeah, you can't, you know, you don't, you can't think you got to just, you know, you can rehearse all you want, but there's so many variables. Yeah. Trying to do it in the center of the ropes that it's, it's very difficult to, you know, anticipate. So, you know, those are ones that you just, you either go for broke or you don't. Yeah. And they, they did. And, and obviously, unfortunately, there was not any way that they're going to be able to rotate enough to properly crash through there. Uh, and they, they ended up, you know, driving themselves. They basically missiled right into the uh, tables. And that, 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 again, you know, risk versus reward. I mean, you know, that was an enormous amount of risk. And, boy, one of them or both of them could have been severely injured. Yeah. All right, Jeff, we're going to play the Meltzer clip now for Al. All right, so, Al. Yes. This is Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer comparing this that we just saw with uh, the Kenny Omega spot being dropped on his head. Yeah, remember that one dropped on the head with Will Ospreay? How did I forget it? Yeah, right. so they're, they're comparing the two of those. How could you the difference? Well, you'll you'll find you'll, out. You'll, yeah, it's, it's, the difference in the reaction to the Omega spot and the Ricochet and Logan Paul spot was so much different, and they were well. Hold on, let's be fair. Yes. There's a big difference here, and that is that Kenny Omega that spot was planned. Okay. But the other spot was badly planned. Well, the other spot. Hold on for a second. Not- Al, Al, I do want to point out, well, well, outside of Alvarez, I do want to point out from Meltzer's POV, this is coming from a guy that's never had a wrestling match. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep that in the back of your mind, bro. Both of them, neither have ever had a wrestling. No, no, he um, Alvarez does wrestle like the he had a kiddie pool wrestling match once. He he, he actually has wrestling matches. Yes, Uh, but go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. Design. It was Alvarez does point out like you know Kenny Omega's spot was planned. They planned, and that makes it even dumber. Right. You know, we had a conversation before went out. Hey, I'm going to let you drop me on my head. That, I st- I still think that's bullshit. I think it's absolute I, bullshit, I, bro. I I, I, th- I think they they botched the spot and to save face. Oh, we we meant to do that, bro. You know how like it, you know you you're walking and there's a bunch of people and you, you you trip over the the curb and you bounce back up like and brush it off like you meant to do that. That that's what what they did. They're full I, of shit, bro. I agree, one hundred percent. Right, I, they, they did not. 
Nobody just goes, yeah, you know, I want you to drop me on my head. Exactly. Unless you're freaking brain dead. But go ahead, Jeff. Play the rest of the clip. That is that Kenny Omega, that spot was planned. Okay. But the other spot was badly planned. Well, if the, it, others, the other spot, the, the other spot me. was not designed. It was not designed for them to go through the table head first. That no. was a botch. Okay, it, it was, was crazy. It was a botch. But if but they it had was... pulled it off correctly, they would have gone through like a normal well, Spanish Ken, flight. Kenny, Kenny Omega, in his, you, you know, pulled it off correctly because he wasn't hurt. And those know, guys, but he, he, he getting... planned on landing on his head. The other two didn't plan on landing on their heads. Okay, so you cannot jo- compare these two things. No, but one, one, one was. <laughs> bro, would would that not be a clip on a on Christopher Guest's next movie, bro? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, please. Got... What are your thoughts on that? Two people who have no idea what they're talking about. They have no concept. They have no idea of what the thought process going into any of this is, and they are analyzing it. And and granted, I, I don't care that they, you know, do whatever they want. There are people that are listening going, oh, my God. Absolutely. You know, Dave Belcher is so right. Or Brian Alvarez is on the, he's on the mark. I mean, they're fans. They are, in period. They're fans who have no idea why we do what we do and or the risks that we take or that, you know, and like Kenny Omega, they, they think, you know, plan that. Uh, even if he did, then that just speaks to his own stupidity and, and how he wants to end his own career. But to your point, he didn't plan it. No, you know, no. it was clear that, you know, Osprey could, head was blown up and couldn't pop his hips out to get him out enough. He just dropped him. Um, it was an accident, you know, and then the, the table spot was, was you know, an accident. But, I, you know, this comes back to the performers themselves, you know, much like with the death matches, where do we end? Where do, where does it end? I mean, we just keep having to have bigger and bigger and bigger crash and burn spots. You know, you were, you know, Kenny and, and uh, Ricochet and, uh, you know, uh, um, Logan Paul, they, this is what, the third time they've met or done something together? And each time they've had a bigger, you know, like they had the one where they both did the springboard drop kick and met in the middle of the ring. And, you know, then there was something else. And now there's this. And when, when, do, when do you reach a point where it's too much? Because you're educating your audience to expect this every time you see these two guys. You know, if you're Kenny Omega, and let's say we're dumb enough to believe that you genuinely planned to be dropped on your head, right? And, you know, based on the interview that you guys placed played last week where he's justifying saying, oh, I took him on an emotional roller coaster and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, when is it too much, Kenny? When you've now taught the audience that this is what you're to expect. So, for instance, okay, I have this, you know, back in the day, you never physically hit another person in the ring. You never touched them because if you did, you know, the, the wrestlers would be like, would not work with you. And especially the top guys wouldn't work with you. And here, here was why. It was not because they weren't tough. It wasn't because they weren't hard men. It was because of the fact they were working seven nights a week and to draw money. 
-hmm. And if they ever got injured, they knew they couldn't draw money. And, you know, like if, if, let's say, and I'm not saying they are, let's say Kenny and, and Will Ospreay are the top guys on the card. That means they're the guys drawing the house. That means they're responsible for everyone else's payday. Okay? If the house is full, they're drawing money. Not only do Kenny and Will make money, but everyone else on the show makes money too. Right? So, and I always explain this, like, you get a guy and he likes to throw punches, right? He'll punch you as hard as he can because, you know, he likes to work strong style. That's the new, you know, I like to lay him in because I like to work strong style, which just means you're a crowbar and you don't know the real art of wrestling, which is to convince the audience, not your opponent. So, you know, he goes in the ring and he hits his opponent as hard as he can. And rightfully so, his opponent lays him back, you know. Uh, uh, and, you know, they do this on Monday night. Then they do it on Tuesday night. You know, by about Wednesday night, one or the other is going to start to go, you know what, I'm kind of getting tired of getting hit. Because each morning I wake up and I'm beat the shit. And I know I'm going to have to get in the car and go to the next town. And this guy's going to hit me as hard as he can again. You know, but the problem is you've started to teach the audience that that's what they can expect when they pay to see you. So now that's what becomes the draw. Now, for whatever reason, you're starting to you're starting to sell out buildings with these two guys Mm -hmm. because the audience is believing in them because they're hitting each other so hard, so frequently. Every time they get in that ring, they just go at it, you know punch each other right in the face as hard as they can. Well, business starts to go up. All the other wrestlers on the show start to make more money. Everybody's happy, except for the two guys that are punching each other in the face as hard as they can because each morning they wake up just all bruised up and banged up until one of them hauls off, hits the guy right, and breaks his jaw. Now the guy's injured. The opponent is injured. And he can't work. Now all of the houses and the business does what? Drops. Why? Because you don't have that match anymore on the show. You don't have the other side of the coin. So even if Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay, which should be their design, were to be willing to take these physical risks of being dropped on their head intentionally, it would only be, hopefully, to draw money, which it isn't. And then what if one of them gets injured? Well, now the other guy doesn't have anybody to work with, so he can't draw money. And he's you're going to program him, the booker's going to program him with somebody else, but it's never going to be the same as it was initially with those two guys. And when the the other guy gets healed up and goes back, the moment's gone, and we're never going to capture that magic again. And now what you did was you physically put both yourselves at risk, but you also put at risk the business for the rest of the company all because you had your ego and you wanted to prove how tough you were. And and if if we say this all the time that were Vince McMahon he would totally understand that and there would be hell to pay. Yes. Wait, 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 it's, 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 not, it's not a good yeah. it's not a good business. It's a bad investment. It doesn't have yeah. a lengthy return. And, and, you know, and, it, and then, you know, for Vince, because he is investing so much in a particular talent like a Kenny Omega or a Will Ospreay, he sees that now by doing this kinds of stuff, 
that this guy's not going to last. He's not going to have a long enough career to where Vince can get a good return on the money that he's put into yeah. it. I was, lo- I was looking for something now when you were talking, and this is, this is how the wrestling business works, which is such a freaking joke. I told you, bro, I was up about 4 o'clock in the morning, which was like four hours ago, and I'm doing my, my routine, and I went to Wrestling Inc., and one of the newest stories on Wrestling Inc. was Bubba basically said these fr- the, the only way these crazy freaking spots are going to stop is Tony Khan. He, and he needs to step up and say, we're done with that. Yeah. And, and so, you know, Bubba was really criticizing like the head of the company allowing this. Yeah. It's that 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 story is now gone. So, you know, bro, Tony Khan saw that story, contacted somebody at Wrestling Inc., and the story freaking disappears. That 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 right there is exactly what's wrong with the bit. And why is that, Al? Because they have scrums, and if they don't keep Tony happy, they're not going to get the pass to the scrum. So if Tony doesn't like what somebody says and they contact Wrestling Inc., they're going to remove the story like it never existed. True, true, but that that's not the that's not the you know reason that this is happening. The the reason that this is happening is is because, uh, quite honestly, the majority of these performers are not in the real wrestling business. You know, not in what it what it what it should be, which is all about motivating an audience to want to pay to see them. Uh, you know that that when you center all of your your thought process around your ideas, your efforts into generating an audience, um, then a lot of this takes care of itself. You know, it, you're not going. You, you're of course going to take risks. I mean that that's that's obvious. They've always done that. Mm-hmm. You know, there have always been big crash and burn bumps and things like that. But you're going to take them at the appropriate times to get the appropriate effect. To build the audience further. You're not just going to willy-nilly take these physical risks and, you know, ultimately not only risk your livelihood, but everyone else's that's dependent upon you. You know, uh, you know, let's say that, you know, because Vince isn't going to allow Roman Reigns to take a bump like that. You know what I mean? You know, he's not going to let Roman Reigns go out there with Jey Uso and, you know, take the risk of doing a Spanish fly into the table. And the reason he's not is because right now that's the thing that's driving the bus. And if Roman Reigns gets injured, what happens to business for all of WWE? Right, right. Yeah. It drops. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, people think, oh, it's ridiculous, but he would never have let, like if Steve Austin were out there in the ring during the afternoon and was with, uh, with, with the Hunter and they were looking to do that, you know, do Kenny Omega where, you know, he drops him on his head. Vince, Vince and the other agents would be like, no, 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 you're not doing that. You're not going they, they would have never been looking to do that in the first place. I know that. I'm just, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. No. Because when you have a business, talent, business. You have talent that's genuinely over that right. is drawing you money, you're going to let, you're going to protect him from himself. You're not going to allow that guy to kill the goose that laid the golden egg. You're not, you know, for a momentary 
spot, you know, again, it was risk versus reward, you know, and, and the fact that they allowed Logan Paul and because, you know, I'm sure Logan Paul and Ricochet were in there trying to figure it out and, and agents are watching the fact that the, the agents and Vince let them do it tells you a lot that they go, well, they're not draw. They're not the draw anyway. So they're, they're, they're helping, you know, Logan Paul, he's helping. He ain't Roman Reigns. If they saw Roman Reigns practicing that with Jey Uso or walking through it to get ready for it, they'd be like, Hey, what the, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. You know, you're not doing that. You know, we can't risk, we can't risk you getting injured. You know, that, that, that would, that would, that, that'd be a fact. And that's, that's the difference in the mindset, uh, you know, between, you know, uh, these guys that are trying to get a momentary uh, pop, not even, it's not even a pop, but a momentary flash of reaction and uh, are then trying to ride that notoriety uh, to a place where they can be the draw, but they're, but they're basing that draw like every guy who is a real major draw in the wrestling business has always been about the why. You know, Roman Reigns right now, the bloodline, everybody, oh, the bloodline story, oh, the bloodline story, oh, the bloodline. Like, great, but, you know, we've all, that's not the first time this has been done, you know, and it's all about the why. That's what's drawing, that's the heat. It's not about anything they did physically, it's the heat of the why. And that whenever there is a real draw in wrestling, it is always that it's always that, you know, there's very little done physically and there's a whole lot done emotionally. And yet you see all of these guys attempting to be the next big thing, the flash in the pan by taking these incredibly physical risks to get a very minimal reward, you know, and that, that extends from Logan Paul and Ricochet to Kenny Omega and, you know, Will Ospreay to, you know, what we just saw where a guy wrapped firecrackers around a chair and then beat the shit out of another guy while they were going off. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, it's all a very momentary response that's not going to have any long-term reward. Have you ever heard that before, Al? <laughs> like, well, he didn't get hurt, so he did it correctly. <laughs> yeah, 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 he didn't get hurt, so he did it correctly. Al, did you... Oh, I mean, hold on, I, I want to... Because you can tell that Will Ospreay, who Kenny Omega is totally reliant on to pop pop his hips to pop Kenny's shoulders out far enough, didn't he? Just picked him up and then just dropped him on his on the back of his head. Al, did you watch Raw on Monday? No, I didn't. Al, I'm going to point out something to you that was so fascinating. And again, Al, just think of the basic concept of baby face and heel. So Ricochet comes out, okay, and and like this is exactly what he says verbatim. Um, you know, because I swear to God, bro, Ricochet comes out and I'm saying to myself, okay, bro, what, like, what is your character? Ricochet, what is your character? And he answers it immediately. Here's what he says, bro. I take risks for each and every one of you. So my thought is, yeah, bro. Okay. Remember that when you're 70 years old and sitting in a wheelchair and, and for every one of that, though, them that are no longer around, you can't get out of bed in the morning. Okay, talk to me then. He tells himself, and that's what he tells you. He takes these risks because that's what got him noticed, and that's why he got him where he is now. Because if he didn't have taken those physical risks, 
he doesn't know how to portray who he is sufficiently to be an attraction without doing them. Get on. So, bro, now Logan Paul cuts the shoot promo. Exactly what you just said. And Logan Paul says, Ricochet, this is all you are. You're looking for the moment. You're looking for the TikTok view. You're looking for the click. You're looking for the downloads. That's who you are. And then Logan Paul, bro, had the best line of of any other wrestler on the show because he basically says to Ricochet, you're looking for the moment. I am the moment, bro. I am the moment. So, bro, what does Ricochet do? He's standing. Now, keep in mind, Logan Paul's the heel. Ricochet's the baby face. So now Ricochet is standing in the middle of the ring. He, you know, uh, Logan Paul is standing in the runway. Ricochet runs to the ropes, does 18 flips over the top rope, and is now standing in front of Logan Paul. And I'm like, bro, that's what Logan Paul just said you were. He just said that's all you were. And as the baby face, you just did exactly what the heel said you were. And I'm like, where are they missing this, bro? That that too, That's then that segment was produced. You know what I mean? That yes, segment, they yes. Were, they were led through that. He totally buried Ricochet, who is a WWE property. He totally buried him because everything he said was true. When when Ricochet flipped over the top rope and landed in front of him, what did he do? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> didn't hit him. Didn't hit him. Didn't nail him. Nothing. He stood there. Logan Paul got the last word in and walked to the back. Well then, Logan Paul got over and Ricochet. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 unreal to me, bro. But we don't know what we're talking about. All right, let's get to the news, Jeff. Let's give Al something to uh, to chew on a little bit. Well, you mentioned uh, Bully Ray, and he had a quote this week on Busted Open. I thought was interesting. I wanted your guys' take on it. He said that Paul Heyman told me and Devon years ago that he built us in a way where we could lose every night and not lose an ounce of steam. And that wasn't something unique to us. That was something unique to good heels. A good heel who's worth his money and drawing power can lose every single night and not lose an ounce of steam because they can get their heat back on the microphone the next night. That's why wins and losses don't matter. Every once in a while, they really do. But good heels, yeah, they can lose every night. And strong baby faces can lose every night. I watched Tommy Dreamer and Sandman legitimately argue over both wanting to lose because they knew in losing they got over more. It's an amazing detail of our industry that is almost lost. Very interesting. I, I remember before you before you comment, Al, I just want to back that up because, uh, Jerry, I remember Jeff Jarrett pointed out to me once, Al. Not Jerry Jarrett. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Jeff Jarrett pointed out to me once. He said, Vince... Do you know when I was the Intercontinental Champion, I never won a match? Yeah, yeah so I, I'm just backing up what Bubba's saying. I want to hear Al's take on this. It's a fact. I mean, you don't have to You don't have to go over to get over. You, you know, and everybody mistakes that because their egos get involved and they're not worried about conducting business. You don't have – you can beat guys like a, like a broom. I mean, you can just beat them like a rug and, and they can still get over. You know, there's lots of times that I've seen lots of examples, you know, <clears throat> times with me, too. I, you know, I didn't win all that much, you know, 
still got over still. And, and you know how I know I got over because I was still utilized the very next week because if I didn't get over, it wouldn't have done any good to send me back out there to work with somebody else because them beating me wouldn't have gotten them over. Cause if they beat nothing, they are nothing, you know? And, and too many people in this business get too caught up with their ego um, about wins and losses when really they're pretty, unless it's used as a, the gimmick to get you over, they're pretty inconsequential. They really don't mean much, if anything at all. And, and in Bubba's 100% correct, if you've got a good heel, a heel who knows where his heat's at and how to get it, you could beat him all the time, you know? And the audience is never going to stop seeing him as a threat. They're never going to stop having that want, that need, the desire to see a babyface beat him. Now, that doesn't apply to everyone, you know what I mean? There are those heels that they have to win to retain their heat. There are lots of those, but the really good ones are the ones that you can. You can sit there and beat them, and the really good baby faces are the ones that only periodically and sporadically do you need to give them a win to keep the audience almost like a hope spot, keep them behind the baby face. But you can you can sit there and beat beat a certain baby face into the ground, and he'll just get over more. I mean, that was Tommy Dreamer was a good, was a good example in ECW. He did not win. And the more he did not win, the more he got over, the more the audience got behind him because the more it built the heat of yeah. wanting to at some point be there for that moment when you did finally see him triumph and he went over, you know, and it gave you a reason to cheer him on. He was always the underdog and he did a great job of making an audience believe that he was just this close. Yeah. Man, he, could have, he could have shut the door and have the win if it hadn't been for this. And uh, uh, how, how how was it? How, how was it working with Bubba and Devon in the ring? Oh, it was fine. It was fine. See, yeah. I, the the only reason why I ask that is because, like you know, the, the, those are two guys that when when I watch them. I thought they were beating the shit out of their opponents. That, right. that, that's why I'm asking you the question, because you believed everything these two guys did. And we, like we've talked about, that is the most preeminent thing that a wrestler has to do, is that they have to convince an audience to a point, doesn't matter the wins or losses, what matters is can that audience believe in who you are and why, why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. If they can believe in those two things, you can do anything in the ring and, and they'll believe in it because they'll believe in you. You know, they'll believe that you're actually trying to beat the shit out of somebody because they believe you would be that kind of a guy that would actually beat the shit out of somebody, yeah. you know, and that's what it all comes down to. And that's what makes people want to buy a ticket. It's not, you know, the quality of your stupid ass match. It's, you know, yeah, you know, the crash and burn spots are exciting, but they're very momentary. They're, you know, uh, like I've I've always used this as an analogy of my 13-year-old son. We went to a motocross event. It was a two-hour event. The first 20 minutes were both like, oh, my, you know, just popping or not going crazy. Oh, my God. That, Jesus Christ, that's amazing. The second 20 minutes was like, wow, that was good. That was great because it was the same spots. The last 20, the next 20 minutes, 
we're only an hour into the show, and my son, my 13-year-old son, goes, I'm ready to go. I'm getting kind of bored. So when you are reliant on that flash-in-the-pan move, you're never really building believability nor that genuine real heat, heat being what sells a ticket, that want, that need, that desire to witness, to be a part of that moment when it does happen. And, 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 and you know, to reiterate, Bubba is 100% absolutely, totally correct. And those, those kinds of performers are incredibly rare mm-hmm. and have been really incredibly, getting even more incredibly rare over the last 10, 15 years. You know, if you, you can be one of those guys, you know, don't lose sight. Don't be dumb. Don't get caught up in, well, you know, they're burying me, man. You know, I haven't won a match in like, you know, five weeks. You know, what plans do they have for me? Brother, if they keep using you every single week, that means that they know you're that kind of a guy that whether you win or lose, that people are still going to want to watch you. That means you're a commodity. You know, don't let your ego get in the way. I did that. It was stupid. Yeah. You know, oh, they bury me. I get beat all the time. They used me out. Be honest, Vince. How much was I on TV? That's how I'm, you're, you're talking to a writer. That's how you write TV, bro. <laughs> like you know, you know when somebody's over, and you're you're going with them, and it has nothing to do with winning and losing matches. I know it. And I was on TV constantly. Constantly. Hey, how do you can't see the forest for the trees? No. You know what I mean, Al, do you know your son at the uh, motocross? Uh, Jerry Lane. Jerry Lane uh, told me he had that same experience when he went to see Taylor Swift. Oh, really? It started hot. Ah, by the time Vince, by the time she got to the third song, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, I you- thought people don't remember Taylor Swift concerts; they get brainwashed. Or oh, whatever. yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, Al, did you hear that conspiracy theory? Oh, uh, oh, Al, there's a conspiracy theory out there that these Swifties. Uh, when they go to see Taylor Swift and the concert is over and they they leave, yeah. they don't remember anything that happened at the concert. It's like that. What is that ultra mind gimmick going on, bro? MK Ultra. Yeah, yeah, bro. They don't remember. They don't remember. They're, they're totally black when they go home. Hey, that could be real. Yeah, unbelievable. All right, Jeff. Uh, I wish I wish I experienced that when I watch AEW. Is Jerry Lane called a Swifty? Is he? A yeah, Swiftie? he's a Swift. Oh yeah, Jerry Lane's a Swifty. All right, Jerry, what's what's next for Al Jerry? But you know what it really is is when they go, you know, because these Swifties are such ravenous, just driven fans that like when they go watch Taylor Swift, it's like Nirvana. I mean, it's like you know they are taken to a, a whole nother level. Oh yeah, yeah. As hey, their goddess comes out on the stage to oh yeah them and perform for them. Yeah. Al, I want to ask you a question. L- listen, I think we can all agree. I got to ask Jerry a question real quick. How many uh, Taylor Swift fantasies do you have there, Jerry? I, I really, I don't know a thing about her. Okay. <laughs> I, <really don't>. right. <laughs> <laughs> I made that up. I just made that up. All right, Al, listen to me. I want to ask you this question because, listen, I think we can all agree. Bro, whether you're a, a, a diehard Mark fan, whatever you are, can we all agree, Al, that wrestling is now a niche audience. Can, can, I, I yeah. think that's a fair statement to make, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I want to get your comment on this because I was like, bro, like that's, that's the problem. Now and they, uh, and the people within the wrestling business 
are the ones that have allowed this to become. Okay, so. let, let me let me lay this out for you. I want to get your thought on this. Now, Al, come on. You and I both know, going back to our days in the Attitude Era, you do currently doing OVW. Right. When a person is buying a ticket to the show and they are sitting in their seat, they are genuinely excited because they're there. They're there, bro. Like they've been looking forward to it. They bought a ticket. They're finally there. You got, you know, Jeremy Borash out there hyping up the crowd. And that first person who comes through the curtain, it doesn't matter who it is. Okay. We, we know that because you're there. You're yeah. now part of the experience. Bro, I saw an interview with LA Knight, like from about a week ago. Yeah. And, and, and the interviewer said to LA Knight, well, bro, you know, when, when did you realize that you were first over? And L.A. Knight said, well, it was it was a TV show in Detroit. And I walked out in front of the people and it was the biggest pop I ever got. And that that was his definition of being over. And I'm like, like, seriously, bro, like, do you not understand that they're going to pop just because they're there? But, Al, that's the problem. In their minds, That te- they, they think they're over because of that. They also, a lot of the performers these days believe they're over because a fan, okay, a fan told them they were. And, and, and you know who I'm referring to. I'm right. talking about guys that write these newsletters because at the end of the day, no ifs, ands, or buts, they are fans. And, and they value that fan's opinion <clears throat> much more than they do a guy like Vince McMahon who will tell them, well, you're just not quite over yet. Or, and in their mind, they're going, but, well, Dave Meltzer says I am. You know, and and they are they pattern and perform for really each other and for one person or for that group of people which are going to write a review and say that that person's over. That's it. You know, and that's again, that's our fault. Everything we do in the wrestling business. okay. once you step in on this side of the curtain, you're in control. One hundred percent. You dictate to the audience what they like, dislike, believe, disbelieve, and you base all of that off of what they're willing to accept at the time they're willing to accept it. You navigate. You drive the bus. You never, ever let the fans drive the bus. You you ride the wave of what they're willing to do and where they're willing to go. Yeah, you do that, but you guide it, not them. They don't guide you. They don't dictate to you the decisions you make. And that has completely flipped, mm-hmm. completely flipped. Now, we, the wrestlers, let the audience work us. We, the wrestlers, let the audience dictate to us. We, the wrestlers, let the critics dictate to us. We, the wrestlers, tell us what's right, what's wrong, who's good, who's bad, who's over, who's not, who has heat, who's, who isn't. You know what I mean? And, and that's where we're at. That's why it has become, to your point, 100% a niche business with a niche 
audience. And now to back up what you are saying 1,000%, the wrestling audience has no doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, they have decided who's going to be the flavor of the month. And it, you, you're, you're the flavor of the month for three months, bro. And then they're on to somebody else. And, and, and what Al is saying is that if you're one of those flavor of the months, you're going to understand that, Al. And you're not going to let them dictate to you. You're going to dictate to them because you want that three months to be three years, bro. Yeah. You yeah, want, you, you, you see it. You see it, bro. You got to control it and you've got to dictate to it so that it doesn't go from it's only three months. You want it to go three years, 10 years. You yep. want to extend that run as long as you can so that yep. you can make as much money as you can. You, you know, see that, it all the freaking time, bro. All the time. You know, there, there are those that out there, oh, it's not always about the money. Yeah, it is. And here's why it is because physically, you're only going to have a window of so much time that you're going to be able to do this at that level that you can make that kind of money. And you need to make it and keep it so that when the day comes, because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, your in-ring career is going to come to an end, either through an injury, through age, attrition, where where you just your pro, your shelf life wears out. It's going to come to an end. So you have to maximize that window of time to its utmost so that not only do you make enough, but you can also go somewhere else and utilize what you did there to continue to make money somewhere else. Maybe not on the same level, but you'll still be a draw or attraction. Absolutely. The number one goal that should be for you is not about being the best wrestler it should be about being the greatest attraction, about being the biggest star. And these guys, all of these performers, male and female, these days do not endeavor to do that anymore. They do it to placate and to get a response from a niche audience. Yeah. All right, Jerry, what's next? Well, we know the Internet's. I guess triggering with Vince McMahon being involved in creative in their, in their obsession over it. I got a kick out of this uh, new report by fightful select Vince McMahon has generally avoided tampering with matches that are advertised ahead of time. I like the use of the word tampering. Yeah. The, 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 the owner of the company is tampering with his own card. Tampering with his own card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's generally avoided tampering with matches that have been advertised ahead of time. As such, the company has been advertising some matches weeks ahead of their planned air dates in an effort to Vince proof the show. So the, 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 the writers are working, the writers are working, Vince, and Vince is going along with it. <laughs> Go ahead, Al. Yeah. Comment, please. Right. You got more, Jeff? Is there well, more? It just, it just wrapped up. Behind the scenes, McMahon's tampering. There's that word again. Tampering. McMahon's tampering with creative plans have reportedly caused some frustration throughout the entire company. Good. Al, are you tampering with the creative at OVW? Yeah, I'm tampering with it because it's, I'm going to be the one. The inmates <laughs> are in the asylum here. I'm going to be the one. It's I'm At the end of the day, who gets to eat the shit sandwich? Me. Okay, if OVW succeeds, here's how this goes. If WWE succeeds and this is a huge success, it's we succeeded. 
we made it. Tell me I'm wrong. Absolutely. If WWE shits the bed, it's that Vince McMahon, I swear to God. He's terrible. And that's the way it is here. As long as it's that way here where it's I get to eat the shit sandwich by myself, you know, because if OVW goes under it, the headlines are going to read OVW finally surrenders, dies, the territory dies at the and at the helm was Al Snow. No one else's name is going to be mentioned. Yeah. One hundred percent. I am going to be one hundred percent responsible. Now, if OVW suddenly gets hot for some which that, you know, we all we've always we've talked about this ain't going to happen. You know, I literally could have a virgin in the middle of the ring, sacrificing her by throwing her into a volcano on live. <laughs> Nobody's going to hear about it. Right. Rosemary's baby could be birthed right there. Wow. In, in front of the audience on live TV. Nothing. No, I think they would report that. I, I think if they did, they'd be like, you know, uh, they they really tried for shock value. They were trying. To- <laughs> <laughs> no, what what, what 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 Jeff? What's that term they use all the time? Hot shot, hot shot, hot again. shot, hot shot, hot yeah. shot. At an angle, they had Rosemary have her baby right in the middle of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to hear it. If if for some reason though we get popular and we catch on, it's I get. I promise you, and that's fine. We succeeded. We did it. Yeah. You know, it's everyone. Oh, we all pulled together. Fuck off. No, you didn't. That's a lie. But when but when it comes time to eat the shit sandwich, right oh, yeah. there, it's going to be pushed right to the front. So if that's the case, guess what I get to do? Tamper. I get, I get 100% of the responsibility. Well, I get 100% of the tampering. <laughs> You know, so Vince, hey, Vince McMahon, tamper your ass off. Go uh, right ahead because you're the guy that's going to have to bear it. So, and you know this because it's your company. So go right ahead and do what you want to do. It, this is again coming from a point, a place of ignorance yeah. because we don't know how the business operates. You, you, and Vince, you've done this too. All oh, the writers, this, and, you know, Vince McMahon, that. Let me tell you something. The minute. The second these wrestlers, these performers go through the curtain, the onus is 100% on them. They don't deliver. That's their fault. It can, you can, as a writer, you can make things more difficult. You can make them more challenging. Lord knows they gave me the avatar to make Jesus and Christmas. I mean, but that was my fault because if I knew then what I know now, I could have actually got the thing to work. I could have gotten it over. But that the onus was on me in the ring. It wasn't on Vince who came up with the idea. It was on me. That's no different than, you know, the fact that he came up with the gold dust gimmick for Dustin. How much of an abortion could that have potentially been if it hadn't been for the fact that gold dust was able to make it and then take it to a place where he did? Mm-hmm. That was because of Dustin, not because of Vince. Vince didn't do that. Dustin did it. Steve Austin did it. The Rock did it. You have a platform in WWE. You're not doing it. It's because you, the performer, aren't doing it. Al, I want to ask you a question based on that. I don't know if you know this or nothing, but um, God, well, I think his last name was Halleck. Halleck. Uh, Mike Halleck, I think his last name was Halleck. Man, Mantar? 
Oh, yeah. You know, he passed away yesterday. I know. It's 55 years old. But I, I want to ask you this, because you say once that we talent were, goes. I was just talking to, um, uh, um, God, uh, Shane Douglas. And, you know, like for guys like he and I, I mean, because, you know, I knew Mike and met him occasionally. And, you know, it, it really starts to make you feel your own mortality when you all these people, you know? Yeah, of course. All, I mean, for us, for all of the wrestlers, I mean, all these people we knew and that were, we were really genuinely to some degree, even though we're the most dysfunctional family, we were, we were close because we spent more time with each other on the road than we did sometimes with our own family. Yeah. And then when you're watching, yeah, literally like one after another, after another, after another from your generation. I mean, it's let's, let's honor, let's honor Mike today because you just made a statement. <clears throat> your statement was once that wrestler walks through the curtain, it, it's up to him. Yes. Okay. This is a true story now. Okay. I was working for the WWE as editor of the magazine when Mike made his debut yes. as Mantar. Okay. Right. This is when it's Bruce Patton Vince. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Al, he comes walking down the aisle with a nine foot tall, wearing a nine foot tall buffalo head. Yeah, now you're oh. gonna keep going. I've got, I've got something on. on okay, okay. So Al, I'm in the crowd. I'm watching this. It's a big, big. I'm, I'm, I'm Johnny on the spot, bro. I'm the magazine writer. I got to get this scoop. So I'm there. I'm in the building. Yeah. He steps out wearing this nine foot uh, buffalo head, and my first knee jerk reaction is, "This is going to be interesting." There's no way he's getting that head through the ropes and into the ring. Right, like, yeah. I, like, no way in the world. Like, so how are they going to do this head trip? Is he is he going to take the head off before he gets into the ring? Well, that was, I, I guess that was never discussed or it was assumed. It wasn't, so, yeah. so this poor guy business, you know what I mean? gets up on the ring apron <laughs> with this nine-foot head and attempts to go between the second. <laughs> bro, he can't, on his debut, bro, he can't get the head through the ropes. Now, you said once, once they go out there, it's all on them. What what does poor Mike do on his debut when nobody was able to figure out he's not going to be able to get the head through the ropes? I agree. I, and I said, now understand, pay attention to what I said. I said, writers, Vince McMahon, people can make it more challenging. They can make it harder. Yes. But there is there's there is a way that he could have, you know, once he got the head off, could have gotten around it. That gimmick, just so you're aware, is not new. They didn't come up with that. There used to be a guy back in the 50s and the 60s, and his name was Moose Cholak. He worked in Chicago, and he worked for Dick the Bruiser in Indiana, in, in, in the Indiana Territory. And Moose would come out with an actual moose head strapped up underneath his, onto his shoulders, and he'd walk to the ring. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta look him up. I gotta look him up after this show. Moose. That thing was ridiculous. Okay. Antlers and everything. Antlers. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Moose, God bless his heart. I mean, he was he was described to me uh, as uh, you know, and he was 
big guy. You know, he's yeah. about six seven, six eight, you know, about four hundred pounds. And Moose was so clumsy he could hurt you in the next room by accident. <laughs> so I'll give you two quick Moose stories, right? So now is is this a rib on Moose? Like are they are they ribbing Moose with the with the head? No, no trying to get him over. Okay, so uh, they they. Uh, First time he shows up late. We're at this spot show in Indiana, right? And they got the tarp. It's in the high school gym. They got the tarp on the floor, and he is rushing to get to the locker room, you know. And fan moose, moose, and he's hey, hey. He's not really paying attention, and he's got his little bag, you know, his little gym bag with his gear and his shower kit. And he trips, throws the bag out in front of him, and big splashes his own bag, and all the toiletries <laughs> explode, right? <laughs> Uh, and the whole place pops. <laughs> so he's all upset. So now, the, and I think this is on video somewhere <laughs> because it was at a TV taping. He comes out with the moose head on. I mean, antlers and this thing weighed. I took three or four times to put it on his shoulders. So he goes up the steps gingerly on the ring, right? And he's you know, waiting for the referee to come over and, and like a couple ring guys come up, they're going to unbuckle it and take it off of him. And all of a sudden it tips backwards. Oh. And you see him going, look, 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 look. like it was in And he's hanging there like, and he's back. <laughs> and the head's tipping further back. And then he just goes off. And <laughs> remember they had the commentator right by the ring, you know, with the ring pit with the table. Yeah. Sam Minnicker's there with a monitor and, you know, to be the commentator and wham! The <laughs> monitors go everywhere. But Sam Minnicker jumps up. Oh, my God! You know? <laughs> so... The good news is this, though. The good news is this. They didn't do an angle where somebody actually shot the moose. <laughs> Thank God. Well, it's funny because, you know, Dick the Bruiser was the owner of the territory, right? And whenever he would turn heel, magically, Moose Cholak would turn heel. Whenever he would turn babyface, <laughs> a couple weeks later, Moose would turn babyface. He never had to work with him. Uh, Bro, what was his last name again? Cholak, C-H-O-L-A-K. He was the golden boy Moose Cholak back in the in the old DuPont no, DuPont. Dumont Network. I got. Yeah. I got. I got to look this up. We. We may. We may. Uh, Jeff, if we can find it, we, we may surprise Al with a clip of a moose, a cholak next week. <laughs> that, is, that is incredible. All right, Al. What is going on in your world, bro? Well, tonight uh, we're going to feature a guy on OVW TV with a cow head on his shoulder, <laughs> longhorn steer. Uh, we haven't planned or practiced how we're going to allow him to get in through the ropes with the steer on, but he'll figure it out once he gets out there. It'll be fine, you know. Um, and we're going to make sure it's really big and really heavy. That way he's really awkward. Uh, but I think that's going to be the magic that's going to unlock the door to get him getting over. So, <laughs> uh, um, we're on OVW TV is on every Thursday night live from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern on Fight TV or excuse me, around the world, had some good workout. Uh, uh, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern, around the world. Um, 
and locally on WBNA, and uh, then we're regionally all across the state of Kentucky, and then we're around the nation in about 100 million homes, thanks to all of the network partnerships we have with YTA, the Lilly Network, the RCN Network, Game Plus, Next Level, Action Channel, etc. cetera. Uh, so you can catch us, and you can see what uh, type of animal head we have strapped to some <laughs> restaurant each week. Uh, you can, if you want more information on OVW and all of the different animal parts that we're going to have wrestlers carry with them to the ring, you can go to OVW, uh, OVWrestling.com, OVWrestling.com. Well, I'm surprised they've never done – how come they've never done – think about this. I'm, I'm, Al, if it's been done, you know you know they've been done. What time? Why have they never done a, 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 a bro? And I apologize because Vader Vader is coming to mind. Yeah. Why haven't they ever done a gimmick as a shoot with a guy that never showers and like the the fans literally smell the guy when he walks in the arena and they they refer to him as skunk. Well, they, why has that never been done? They've inadvertently done that gimmick numerous times. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't planned. Yeah, okay. That that'd be a hell of a gimmick, bro. The guy the guy doesn't shower just to disgust the crowd yeah, and his there. opponents. Yeah, Vader was up there. Oh. Balls Mahoney. Whoa. Really? Uh, we just literally want somebody asked me about that and asked who was the stinkiest wrestler. And I mean back in his Balls Mahoney day or Boo Bradley days in Smoky Mountain. We were we're going on this trip, you know, we're going to this town in North Carolina. Glenn Jacobs is driving this old beat up uh Chrysler Imperial or I don't know what it was. Killer Kyle sitting in the front. Killer Kyle has been working a program with Boo Bradley all summer and refuses to wash or wash his gear because Boo Bradley stinks so bad. So now he, we got the scent of him wafting back in the back of the air conditioning doesn't work. So it's 90 degrees and we only have the air through the windows, right? Now, uh, Boo is sitting on the right side of the car. Ricky Morton's sitting in the middle. I'm starting on the far left. And Boo has his arm up like this, balls his arm up. And basically, Ricky Morton was so mad because he got in the building, the whole right side of him smelled like balls' his armpit. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. It was, it I was swear crazy. to God, Kevin Nash. And, bro, I don't think anybody ever did this before, bro. Kevin Nash recently did an entire show of how, you know, the wrestlers would clean their gear on the he, – he did a whole show about it, and it was amazing to me what what Kevin had to do after the show to freaking so, clean his gear for the next day. Go to the room and you use uh, some of the hotel shampoo, put it in the sink, rinse yeah. it out, the shower. It was fascinating. Either on a lamp so the, light, the heat from the lamp would dry it or you laid it on your air conditioner or heater to blow through or you then as you drove down the road because a lot of guys lost their gear as they were holding out the car window to dry it (laughs) (laughs) that's unbelievable man yeah all right now what about the only accredited school when when does firecracker chair start uh well we i'm gonna i'm sitting down after we get off this uh (laughs) literally writing a syllabus on firecracker chair smashing (laughs) (laughs) just part of your overall work rate um, you know, that if you can work a firecracker chair, you know, you can work a ring apron. I mean, <laughs> you know, or you can work a table. Uh, and uh, but if you want to be a wrestler after watching clips like that, 
who wouldn't be inspired to do so? Uh, <laughs> you can go to ovwacademy.com. Um, you can find out more information there. Um, you know, we're the only accredited by the state office of proprietary education as a trade school uh, for professional wrestling, sports, entertainment, and broadcasting in the world. There is no one else. Um, so if you're interested and you literally want to learn, honestly, the real skills of how to be able to capitalize on any and all opportunities that may arise for you to be able to pursue a career and live your dreams, then you're going to want to go. Even if you don't go to OVW Academy, you're going to want to go someplace where there are, are instructors who have the proper amount of experience <clears throat> and experience on the level of the destination that you want to reach. That's important. And what about, go ahead, go ahead. And you always get out of this business what you put in. And if you think you can go on the cheap and you can pay a little and get a lot, you're sadly mistaken because you're going to pay a little and you're going to get even less. Yes, yeah, that's that. true. That is true. What about social media? Social media, you can follow me at The Real House. No, Jerry Lane will attest. I'm hilarious uh, constantly. Uh, just he just called you Jerry. He just called you Jerry Lynn by the name. By the way, he he messed up both names, uh, Jerry. Yeah, he's the mysterious Mister JL. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Lynn was the best. He was the best. I was not the best. WCW wore a mask and they just called him the mysterious Jerry because he was that ugly. He was ugly. It was a horror show. Jerry Lynn. What a great guy. I love Jerry Lynn, man. Like a walking car wreck face. Anyways, uh, <laughs> um. If you are, and actually, he's kind of a handsome guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, he's a good-looking guy. I never got that, man. I just want to make sure everybody, oh, God, they buried Jerry. You know, they said he was ugly. Uh, <laughs> that's why he had to wear a mask. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on social media at The Real Al Snow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You name it, um, I'm on there. If you are interested in my comic book, BrokenIconComics.com, I have team-ups with Chavo Guerrero in a Western type of story. I've got a team-up with Tommy Dreamer in a Prohibition era type story. And a team-up with Scotty Tulani that's coming out that will be like the John Wick assassin type story. So they're all true to the characters, but in different environments than just wrestling. So um, you can go to BrokenIconComics.com. If you are interested in my comedy special, it is at the Premier Streaming Network Dot com. You can go there, you can subscribe, and you can watch myself at Zany's Comedy Club up on stage, making being completely hilarious, regardless of what Vince Russo thinks as he plays his sad trombone. Uh, now, Jeff, how do we, we we can't get away with doing a we can't do a watch along of that, can we? I don't know how their copyright works, but I we could reach out to them and ask. Yeah, we can. Can we do that? Look, I, I'd love to. I'd love to do a watch along with that yeah. with my wah wah button out. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be oh, tremendous. Yeah. That would be tremendous, bro. Yeah, we can do that. That'd be fine. I'll uh, I'll reach out to Josh Shurnoff, and we'll see. Yeah, let's see if, if if they'll allow us. Yeah, I mean it's it's promotion. I mean, obviously, I mean you know, let's see if they'll allow us to do that. Okay, I'll see if they'll you know. Yeah, you're not gonna hit the wah wah button very often. I'm telling yeah. you. Right, what about the uh, yeah. the book? <laughs> He'll be laughing from oh, God. underneath the broadcast table. Yeah. <laughs> what about the book, man? Um, the Life and Times of Al Snow. It's actually the title of Self-Help, uh, Life Lessons from the Bizarre Wrestling Career of Al Snow. Trust me, it has been quite bizarre. Um, since I was 18 years old, I've been on the road with degenerates. So 
you can only imagine some of the adventures and stories that I have to tell. Yeah. All right. Listen, say goodbye, Al. The great Al Snow, uh, everybody. More wisdom. Take care, Al. Yeah. All right. Too freaking much. All right, uh, Jerry, what's going on in your lane? Uh, not in my lane. And, uh, that's, not too- that's, that's good. I did that by accident, but it actually <laughs> makes sense. Jerry, what's going on in your lane? That makes sense, bro. Go ahead. Uh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Russo TWC. By the time this comes out, uh, there should be a new episode of Look Ma up. If not, it will be coming out today. Uh, we finish up looking at Meltzer trying to explain the TV ratings, and we also kind of get into uh, Jim Cornette's co-host going at it with uh, Matt Hardy. So I thought that it was an interesting episode. Check that out, patreon.com slash Russo TV. Yeah, and I really, too, I break that down. Uh, um, I did uh, on Patreon uh, with Truth With Consequences. I did a whole show on that. Uh, Jeff, where I really, really, really break it down. So you guys want to check that. I'm I'm looking right now at my screen, bro. I'm seeing a lot of people. Uh, we got a lot of signups on, what's today, Jeff? Thursday, Tuesday. Uh, and I want you guys to know, bro, when you sign up for Patreon and you get an email from me, it is not. Jeff, will you please confirm that we don't have a a formal email. I'm I'm writing each and every one of you guys. Can can you confirm that, Jeff? That we don't have like a form letter we send out. Yeah, it's not a um, fill in the blank type deal. Yeah, no, no, guys. When you sign up, uh, Jeff and I are very, very great. I mean, they might get the Patreon one that is. Yeah, but you get, get one, one from, from me. You get one from my email address, bro. That is coming directly from me. Uh, because I do, we do appreciate each and every one of you guys. So check it out, man. Starting at 75 cents a week, patreon.com forward slash Russo TWC. And Jeff, I, I'm, I'm getting quite a few, bro. They're not just sending a dime. I'm getting a lot of dollar 20 PayPal, bro. They're, they're covering me for the whole year, bro. I'm, I'm getting, bro, for some reason, I don't know. I'm, it, 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 I keep getting payments for a dollar 24. I don't know where the four cents is coming from, but yeah, bro, people coming through paying. So I don't have to be paying for a peacock, but anyway, guys, that is it, bro. Listen from me, Al, Jerry, don't play with firecrackers, bro. We'll see you next week, man.